This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexandra Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Together listeners, I am really excited to chat today with Vicki Sando because we are just you know, right in the middle of the back to school season. And really, my, my main thought with this episode was to talk about, you know, climate change and how it really needs to be part of more of the more of the classroom. And as we think about it, I mean, truly climate change has, has not always been part of the curriculum at schools, but that is changing. And in 2020, New Jersey became the first state to require that climate change is taught across all subjects from science to art. And then in 2022, Connecticut actually passed a law that required that lessons on human-caused climate change be incorporated into the science curriculum. So now New York City has officially rolled out a climate-based curriculum too, and that is something I know that this week's guest is very excited about. So like I mentioned, we have Vicki Sando on the podcast today. She's a green STEM teacher at PS41 in New York City, also an educational green roof advisor, a sustainability curriculum developer, and has been just really, really passionate about this topic throughout her, the past 20 years. So welcome, Vicki. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I wonder if you could just start off by giving us a really brief intro of yourself and sort of your background. Well, you summed it up pretty well. I'll just add that I kind of got into this journey originally being a parent, and both my kids went to PS41 way back when. They're in their 20s now, and I started the school garden, so it was just really simply noticing that there was a need for gardening and some outdoor education. I built some planter boxes that rolled into expanding it up to the green roof, which was a huge undertaking but uh, was made tremendous impact, which I can go into further. And then that led me into teaching and climate activism and just really where I'm at. So you never know what volunteering can do. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love to hear that. And you're right. I feel like for so many people, becoming a parent is a key milestone in your life when you really start to think about the world around you. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because you you know, are, are thinking about something other than yourself. Maybe you're thinking about the world that you're leaving behind for your little one, but it is something that I think is, is it's just very common. And when we think about kids, 
we know that they go to school and we're oftentimes wondering like what are they learning in school what are they what are they learning that is you know going to really impact them for the rest of their lives and so you know i'm really curious to know more about you know how new york city you know decided to roll out this curriculum and and really what it is so just a little clarification it's Mayor Adams actually released a 2023 plan NYC, which addresses the challenges and opportunities or okay. from climate change, including education. So mentioned in the plan is a new climate education and training program for public schools, which entails the integration of climate education in public school classrooms across all subjects and grade levels. And they want to launch a new career connected learning program for public school students dedicated to green job training and placement. However, unlike New Jersey and Connecticut, our state and city do not have a climate education mandate. So there is a difference. I'm a member of the Climate and Resilience Education Task Force, which has been really instrumental working with New York State education uh, leaders and elected officials to find ways to increase climate education, which students are demanding that they learn. Okay. So I believe many teachers try to integrate climate change themes because they connect well, but without specific mandates, teachers who are not knowledgeable or don't have time because of other topics and skills that take precedence uh, will not teach about climate change. So the Office of Sustainability, which is a section of the DOE, has partnered with the Center for Sustainable Futures. This is Teachers College at Columbia University for teacher training on climate education. So the goal of the program is to make teachers more knowledgeable about the science of climate change and help them develop curriculum to be shared citywide. So I think that's really the aim right now, instead of a mandate, more teacher training. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I attended the summer program. This was for elementary school teachers, and it was very inspiring. However, though, without mandates, climate education won't reach every student in New York State. It's really going to be left to the teachers like myself that really care and and can find ways to integrate um, this important topic. Absolutely. And so I think it's really interesting to think about how, you know, many different students this is going to affect and different types of curriculum, whether we're talking about elementary school all the way up into, you know, high school. And I'm curious to know, you know, you have a, you've had this background developing this curriculum. And so what does your day-to-day involve? Um, You know, what, what is, what does that entail as you're going about and creating this, you know, green STEM related education? Like what are, what are some types of things you're teaching? Sure. Well, I kind of have two roles right now. I have one program at school, which is Green STEM. And I've been really fortunate. I have a great admin team, and they've given me a lot of leeway on developing my own curriculum. So for example, with my third grade students, I'll do a whole water unit where we look at uh, New York State's water system. You know, we review the water cycle. Uh, They'll in teams, they'll build aqueducts, water filtration systems, and then we'll they build a home that has to withstand a storm surge, which is basically pouring a bucket of water in a big bin and seeing if their house falls down or not, which they love. So leeway in that program. Okay. Uh, 
really integrate a lot of sustainability. I'm going to be teaching lower grade science this school year coming up. And we use Amplify, which is science program curriculum that's pretty prevalent across uh, the city. So in that way, you have to really follow more of script per se, but I plan to integrate some one-off lessons where they're appropriate. And again, this is age-appropriate curriculum. For example, in kindergarten, there's a unit about weather and temperature. So I plan to include a STEM lesson about heat island effect and how trees and green roofs can cool the surrounding environment. So teams of students will build a tree using pipe cleaners and post-its. And then what we'll do is I'll hold an overhead light over it and we can trace the a shadow of a tree and compare each team's shadow to see which one, you know, design the biggest one. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you can extend it by going out into the playground and tracing with chalk around tree shadows, but it'll give the youngest students the concept about how tree shade is so important. And we're really talking about this as one component of reducing temperature and um, especially in areas that really suffer from heat index. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think just finding creative ways of explaining these concepts to kids is really interesting. And I think, you know, it's, I would imagine that there's just so many different lenses that you could take as you think about sustainability and climate change. And so as you go about, you know, creating this curriculum and, and, and teaching it, what would you say like the impact has been on the students? Well, I'd say overall, uh, just to make them knowledgeable, you know, they, and I'm speaking through an el elementary school perspective, they really care. I mean, students care about the environment and want to help. Uh, the trick I've found, or the quandary, I guess, is to really balance providing information without scaring them. Okay. And, and that can be tricky at times. So it's to really make them have power and then work collaboratively to problem solve. Um, now, some of my students who are now in high school have reconnected with me uh, because whether they're interested in environmental science, climate activism, uh, one student wanted to put a green roof on her school and came back to me and we ended up doing um, some presentations together. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was really very exciting. And I'm also a board member of Kids Fight Climate Change, which is founded by my former student, Ajani Stella, who is a youth climate activist in New York City. And he's, he's a real change maker. So I'm very proud of what he's done. That's really exciting. And I love to hear that, you know, the, you know, influence, you know, perhaps that curriculum had on him really stayed with him and propelled him into that that new role. Very cool. Um, you, you just actually mentioned something I thought was interesting, which is a green roof. So, I mean, tell us a little bit more about, you know, maybe what a green roof is and sort of how, you know, putting one on top of a school can be really impactful for lots of reasons. Sure. So green roofs have existed for centuries, going back to the Vikings, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, but they're really getting new attention because of the numerous environmental benefits they provide. So a green roof is different than a container garden, which sits on top of the roof. Mm -hmm. Green roof is applied directly 
to the roof surface, kind of layered like a sandwich with okay. each layer having a function, protect the, the roof membrane and, and plant health. So if you think of it like a blanket, green roofs keep buildings warmer in the winter and cooling in the summer. So you really have so many uh, positive benefits for not only the school building, but the surrounding community. So besides an outdoor classroom, which is often you know, and not so available, especially in urban areas, PS41's green roof has reduced the school CO2 emissions and energy use by 38%. Um, and I, I've documented this through, it's called Portfolio Manager, Energy Star. So it also acts like a sponge. And when we have these heavy rainstorms, it mitigates stormwater runoff, oh. which again is important especially in New York City, because we have a combined sewer system. Um, so it just slows that water down so it's not inundating the storm drains. That's um, awesome. It's also why, yeah, it's also wildlife habitat for migratory and local birds and insects. And we have anywhere from hawks up there to <laughs> monarch butterflies, you know, tons of bees. So, you know, when we go up there, the kids get to see them and interact or when school's not in session, it's still providing this habitat. It cleans the air, also cools the surrounding area from heat island effect, like I mentioned before. And again, with the energy savings, they pay for themselves over time. Okay. So, you know, that's really something to think about. We have some new local laws in New York, New York City, about reducing uh, building energy usage, and green roofs are one component that building owners can install to really meet these ambitious goals. Yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit about that. I wondered if there were, you know, incentives available to schools to, you know, start to do this more often. And it does sound like obviously there's going to, it's going to be very regional based, but it sounds like there are some incentives available. Um, unfortunately, not so much for schools. If it's a private school, they have private schools have a lot more leeway because you know, they can raise money internally and it's just not as costly. Okay. Any public school or public building, government building, you know, has to go through a bid process. It has to be a capital improvement project. So it's basically taxpayer funded. So, so far, the um, the Department of the um, Office of Sustainability, which oversees energy initiatives in New York City on public schools, has really focused on solar, mm. uh, which is fantastic as well. They're really installing a lot of solar arrays on school rooftops. Okay. Green roofs has not been as robust. Uh, I think because they have some concerns about moving the soil or things like that. There's just not as much education around it. Ideally, we would have a combo of green roofs and solar because then you're getting both benefits and green roofs actually improve the output of solar arrays anywhere hmm. from 5 to 15% I've seen because the plant transpiration actually cools the solar panels down and oh, makes, cool. yeah, makes them work more efficiently. So that that's another option that I've heard in the works, but yeah. Very it, interesting. Yeah. So unfortunately it's, it is, it is a long process. I mean, I was talking to um, a school this morning who they're interested in a green roof. So 
Uh, basically, I'm the one who tries to help other schools. <laughs> That's great. And I'm sure I'm sure you do that all out of the goodness of your own heart. I'm sure you've got a lot going on, right? <laughs> this is really important to me. And yeah, I, I share my information when I can. Absolutely. I think speaking of information sharing, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was, you know, number one, man, I need my kids to go to PS41 <laughs> eventually. But I'm curious to know, like, you know, for parents that are listening to to this episode, people that have kids in their lives that, you know, they'd like to, you know, impart more sustainable sustainability or climate change related curriculum to their kids, but aren't, you know, close by, like, you know, how, how can we do this? Like, what can we do at home to ensure that kids are learning about these topics from a young age? Well, you're absolutely right. And I think for parents, including myself, really is frightening to think of the climate environment our children will be experiencing in the future. Um, do you think that parents, maybe instead of being worried about books are in the library, they should really focus on making sure their kids are learning about climate education in the classroom. But there's things that there's tools that parents can do at home, whether it be finding websites for their for their children to uh, you know go over, volunteering in the community to feel empowered. You know we're part of a larger collective and. I think just not even just recycling, which is important, but other projects you can do in your neighborhood, whether it's beautifying a park or collecting trash on the beach, there's things that can get kids inspired and feel like they're making a difference. And then really just teaching them as they get older that they must vote. I yes. Mean, elections have consequences, as we've seen. And we need our elected officials who are serious. You know, we need to get them in, in charge so that these climate issues can be addressed. Uh, because none of it matters if we have people in office that this is not a priority for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that that is always one of the, you know, action items we like to leave our listeners with is, again, you know, in addition to exploring more of the topic that we talk about in each episode, we always talk about legislation on voting because you're right. There are, you know, the interesting thing too that people have heard me talk about before on the podcast is, you know, it's not just these big national elections. As a matter of fact, like these local elections have such, you know, an impact on, you know, whether it's, you know, reducing plastic bag usage or, you know, prioritizing subsidies for things like green roofs. Like there are things that are happening on local levels that are really important to pay attention to. And so, you know, I remember growing up that, I mean, first, I grew up in Texas, there was very little curriculum about these things, if anything, I think most of the time, any of our natural environment type, you know, curriculum was about biology and those types of things. So no, we, we didn't really talk about this at all. And I think in addition to wanting to have that type of curriculum available to my kids, I also want them to understand you know, the, the power of, of voting. And we did, that was one thing. I do remember we had like a mock election and, <laughs> and all of these things in my school. So yeah, I mean, it is really important, right? And, and even just to get kids to, to be inspired to run for office. Yes. Uh, it's not just voting, but how you can sway your legislature, your representatives. They just, our children need a voice and we need to honor that voice because they're inheriting something that's no fault of their own. Yeah. So 
we need to really open that door for them so they can feel like they have a say in what's happening. Absolutely. Well, um, this has just been such a fascinating episode, Vicki, and I feel like we could, you know, could go deeper into many of the topics, but in general, go, talking about like the impact you've been able to have in your school and honestly at other schools, especially as we're thinking about green roofs, et cetera, has been really interesting. But I am curious to know, you know, from where you sit as an educator or, you know, just as somebody who's observing many different things going on in this space, like what is exciting you the most right now about the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement? I would say, again, tilting it back to young people. I think they're tech savvy. They're more open-minded than any generation so far. They're committed to sustainability and, and social justice. Uh, so if you look how the group of young, the youth sued Montana over climate change and they won. Uh, so again, yep. they give me hope that they are going to demand really fundamental change in how you know, we really go about many things. And again, they are concerned about our climate emergency. And I feel that they're going to really do something about it. it does give me hope. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Vicki. And listeners, we'll include links to all of the all of the resources we mentioned earlier. And just but just really wanted to say thank you. Enjoyed this chat. And thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it, too. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.